Mullen, and this is Competent Young Woman, an alternative local news source. This podcast is a collection of conversations with people around matters affecting Litchfield County, Connecticut. I started this podcast because as we emerge from the global pandemic, we're finally able to sit down with one another to have in-depth, meaningful conversations. I hope these episodes restore our collective faith in humanity, our trust in one another, and civility within our communities. I've decided to name this podcast Competent Young Woman as a cheeky response to local reporters' reference made to me, which felt very much like tokenism. I was identified by my gender and by my perceived age, but I wasn't referenced for the actual work that I was conducting in the region as a professional. I've noticed many local news stories not capturing all sides and also not digging in deep enough. I hope the conversations on competent young women engender more genuine respect and civility within our communities through inspiring human stories and through long discussions. I hope that you enjoy this. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I'm sitting down with Marina Kachube, a fellow Cornwall resident, to share ideas around current issues in town and to have an open conversation about them. Marina, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell me a little bit about what brought you to Cornwall? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. This is so fun. My family actually um, discovered Cornwall in the mid-1950s, and subsequently my parents bought a place in the late 60s, and as children, we were weekend residents. Um, We lived in Manhattan, but we came up, I think, almost every weekend, and for the summers, you know, we didn't go to camp or anything like that. It was just Cornwall was where we spent our summers, and so we all really identified as Cornwall residents equally as New York City residents. And after college, I lived in France for a while and I moved back to the States and on a whim decided to try to make a go of it in Cornwall, which everyone thought was crazy because at the time it was 2015 Mm. and there really weren't a lot of people of our age group here um, for obvious reasons, which we can get into later. But I had the professional profile that I could make it work. Uh-huh. Um, I was doing some freelance marketing, which was my background. Yeah, yeah. And there were businesses in the area that needed support. Yeah. And they, they couldn't hire people full-time for those roles. Uh-huh. So I was able to piecemeal exactly. yeah. you know, enough work to create a full-time job here. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky in, in the sense that we had our family house. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. wouldn't have been able to move to Cornwall had we not had that place that was sitting empty essentially and needed, you know, care and financial support, obviously. Yeah. Um, And so that sort of all the cards fell into place Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's how I ended up here full time. Got it. Got it. Um, So just for the listeners, Marina and I, we are um, peers, so of the same age and we have developed a friendship. It started by just bumping into each other at the lake and then we realized that we actually had memories of it being in high school together um, in the 90s and kind of piece some people together and realize that we were both many times at the same place at the same time. We, Which we won't get into because <laughs> it was high school. <laughs> 
Um, so it's, I have to say, um, it's really nice to have a peer in town and, um, our paths have crossed in many different ways and it's always been really helpful to speak with you, um, especially around issues in town because I have always valued your perspective and also always recognize that you've been here a lot longer than I have having been born and raised in Sharon and only recently considered myself a Cornwall resident. What would you say is the most controversial issue in town at the moment? Um, I would say at the moment, it's the recent changes to the home business regulations that were passed by the Planning and Zoning Commission. Um, And I think controversial is giving that a lot of importance because I actually think that it's a very small group of people that have misinterpreted what happened and what was passed and the work that was put in to ensure that what was passed was the correct, I guess, path forward for Cornwall. Yeah, yeah. And so I hate to say that it's the most controversial topic because I really think it's a small number of loud folks. Um, but I can't think of anything else that people are really talking about mm-hmm. as much as they're talking about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least I think a lot of people ask me about that and yeah. ask my perspective about that. Yeah. Who may not have an opinion yet, but have heard that, you know, this is going on and want to get a little bit more information. Yeah. Prior to that, I would say it was probably work on the West Cornell septic. Uh-huh. Um, I think people have largely maybe have settled with that and are okay with that. Um, yeah. and, and maybe it was the PNZ commotion that took attention away from the septic. Um, but I would say that that's probably the issue du jour. Yeah. Yeah. And just, um, for full disclosures to the listeners as the planning consultant currently for Cornwall's PNZ, I won't speak on the home business regulations, especially because there is pending litigation around that matter. So, I'll have to cut that piece of the conversation short. But what I do want to get into with you, Marina, is just since you've been in Cornwall, do you Mm -hmm. feel like the sentiment or um, the political discourse just has anything changed for you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. So I um, sit on the board of Slackman for Cornwall. Yes. Which I was really honored to be asked to do Mm. a little over two years ago now. Yeah. It was a really interesting, you know, secondary job for me. Mm -hmm. One that I really fully intended on staying with. And because at the time, I really felt like the people that were interested in supporting the town, moving the town forward, were largely all on the same page. You know, there was a lot of work that had been done to to create our plan of the next 10 years. Yeah. And it was exciting. It was an exciting time. I thought yeah. that people really wanted to get young people in, yeah. which yeah. was, I think, largely why I was asked to run, to sit on a board. Yeah. Because I represented a 30-something-year-old who was able to make it work in Cornwall. Yes. And when you look at who's sitting on a lot of our town boards and commissions, Mm -hmm. it's people who are over the age of 50, Mm -hmm. maybe even 60. Yeah. Um, Which is not a bad thing, but I think what I was under the impression when I first got into local politics and government was that people were really on board to move Cornwall forward, to get more kids in school, to get more businesses happening here. Because 
when I grew up, I remember West Cornwall mm. as really a center of activity with a lot of uh, restaurants, stores. Yeah. And I knew that... The bridge dance. The bridge dance, <laughs> yes. So fun. So fun. Um, and so anyway, I felt that there was... I thought there was momentum mm. to really creating or making decisions to really move this town in the right direction. Yeah. And the naysayers were not, there are, there are always going to be naysayers, Yeah. but they, you were able to have a conversation with them yeah. and maybe at the end of the conversation you didn't agree, mm. but there was, there was civility and there was back and forth and there was compromise. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was really inspiring uh-huh. and motivational. Yeah. And I felt like we had that for the first part of my tenure as, as a selectman. Yeah. And then we sort of were, we had COVID. Yeah. And that changed. That changed. <laughs> How do I put this simply? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that changed the landscape of the work that we did. Yes. Because we yeah. went from working on town issues, uh-huh. all, you know, be it large and small, yeah. interesting and very, you know, sort of like road work and things like that that may yeah. not be as interesting. We went from all of that, focusing on that, to really focusing on how do we get this the population and the community through COVID. Yeah. Which was fascinating. Yeah. And really at that time when we were working on the social services aspect of COVID, so yeah. to supporting families to get them food, to help them pay their bills. Yeah. I, I didn't know that that was such a large part of local government. Yeah. I was naive to that. Mm. And I was also naive to how much need there was in Cornwall. Yeah. And so all of the, all of the focus went on, went to that. Yeah. And as COVID, as as we settled with COVID and we got our groove and we, you know, got through the hardest months, Mm. I felt that the temperature (laughs) of the conversations around local issues. Mm. So we started going back to local issues, yeah. working on certain, you know, plans and adopting new regulations for PNZ, for example. Yeah. And I felt that the conversations and the debates around mm. decisions mm-hmm. took a really crazy turn. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a reflection of what was happening nationally. Mm-hmm. I think you can compare the two. Yeah. I was sad to see that happen in a town like Cornwall, but I felt yeah. like people were misinterpreting facts. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't it wasn't that we were having conversations with very thoughtful analytics on both sides, yeah. but just disagreeing on paths forward. Yeah. I really felt people were being misled by uh-huh. a small group of people that and I'll speak, speak kindly about these people because I think that that's important in this day and age, especially yeah. I think our generation can hopefully change that. Yeah. I I would like to say that they just misinterpreted facts. Yeah. And it became kind of volatile uh-huh. and really difficult for, I know, a, a, a lot of people to serve on town boards. Yeah. Now, moving forward, you've chosen not to remain on the board. Correct. And what was sort of, if you don't mind speaking to it, the last straw? When did that light bulb go up? Was it a gradual decision making or was it one day something happened and you just decided this isn't going to be where I can put my energy? I think it was 
a variety of factors. Yeah. One will be would be I did have a career change this year that yeah. took a lot of my attention away from Cornwall. I was working prior to that. I was working for a Cornwall business. Yes. I was in town a lot. Yeah. I had the bandwidth to be able to be stopped on the road and talk mm-hmm. about issues, which happens a lot. Yeah. And with this new career, I just, mm-hmm. my hours are longer and um, I'm, you know, back and forth in the tri-state area all over the place. And so yeah. that was, I think that was probably the initial, I, I paused and I thought, okay, yeah, how much time can I really devote to this? And, and the person in this seat really needs to devote a good amount of time because yeah. you have to be researched. You have to be yeah. thoughtful. Yeah. You have to see all sides of the coin. Yeah. And I felt like that wasn't fair to the town. Mm. But I think along with that, the meetings this past six months, mm. mm-hmm. the, I felt that the, that the complainers, the naysayers yeah. were largely quite frankly, wasting my time. Yeah. And I was getting frustrated because I felt yeah. like we we weren't able to work on issues because yeah. we were in these back and forth conversations with people that were not adding anything. Yeah. If anything, they were taking away from the real work that was being done. Yeah. And, you know, I wish I was a stronger person because if I, if I didn't have the career change and I had the time... Mm-hmm. I still don't think I would be running again because I don't have, it's just not in me right now to fight. I get it. I totally get it. Um, To fight about things that shouldn't be fought over. Yeah. I guess is the most frustrating part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been in meetings where things happen that are very Mm off-putting and it's always difficult in the heat of the moment to come up with the right response. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes... I don't want to feel like I ever need to be reactive. Um, And that's tough. It's been really tricky. And I think, do you think being a young woman has factored into um, either the way that you are perceived or that others do get perceived in what one would consider a professional board or professional realm? Yeah, I think so. I think there's always an element of that. Yeah. I'm lucky in one sense that I, I do feel respected by this community Mm. and, and I appreciate that. But I, Mm. I I also think (laughs) I look at the generational makeup of Uh who's involved in town politics and who puts the work in to really understand the issues. Yeah. And we are, our generation is, we're the minority, Mm. Mm -hmm. but we also seem to be when I talk to our peers outside yeah. of town politics, yeah. we also seem to be really interested mm. and knowledgeable and level-headed about it. Yeah. But we were not in those positions on boards. Yeah. And it's funny to me because I think over the past year, the worst behavior has come from the older generation. Yes. And yes. that's really sad to me. Yeah. And so it's a really... I think it's not just the female thing. I think that's a part of it. But I do think we're largely not listened to because of our age. But yet I feel like a lot of us have really great ideas Mm -hmm. and the town would be so much better off if we were, if there were a lot of our peers involved. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I've, I've talked to other peers and a lot of us have circled back 
or a lot of new young people are here and they are also touching upon a generational friction, mm -hmm. so to speak. And I've tried just to think about it, to really think through what is it? Is it our approach to life or the way that we're raised, how we communicate? And I have some moments where I wonder about the use of the internet mm -hmm. and how I find, I mean, we were born at the best time. We were born when the home phone still rang and yeah. we had to pick it up and our parents would ask who's speaking and the phone would be given to us. And we talked to adults face to face and we didn't really have phones until we drove. And the internet was there, but it wasn't it. Right. And I'm now noticing some adults that are utilizing the internet are not realizing or reckoning with the fact that it's also real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a fair point. <laughs> and um, I feel like our generation, I talk to a lot of, you know, peers around some issues in our towns and I get out of a lot of them the word community. A lot of them mm -hmm. are here seeking their community, mm -hmm. looking whether they're nostalgic about what they had when they were young or whether they just want to find it now as a settled professional adult. And there's definitely some degradation of all of our communities because of some of what's going on online. Yeah, that's very, very accurate and true. And what's specific to Cornwall about that? So I think one of the things that I find is one of the most dangerous uh, forums yeah. of conversation is a email group called the Cornwall Community Network, I want to say it is. Yeah, yeah. And what started when I first, I, I don't, don't engage with it for many reasons, yeah. but mostly because I don't think a lot of benefits come out of that group. I think if it were used for what it's supposed to be used, which is a community forum yeah. where you can share fun stories, yeah. information about events, yeah. uh, recommendations for people to, you know, do your lawn or yeah. help you with home things. You know, I think yeah. that would be, if it was just a forum for that, yeah. we would be the luckiest town because I know. how nice is that? Uh, however, it has come to be also a forum to exchange political ideas and also feelings about what's going on in local politics. Yeah. Again, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's a, actually a great thing. Yeah. But I think some people don't understand that you're still, you're still speaking to somebody. There's humans behind Yes. It. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so... I'm very lucky that I have never been spoken about on that community network. Yeah. I cannot say the same. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and what, what kills me about it, though, is that when when there are emails about people, which I think should be completely, you know, disallowed, and I think yes. that the moderators are reckoning with that and trying to fix it, and it's really hard. Yeah. But I also know that I can't respond because... Yeah. That is not effective. I agree. Yeah. And so my path to try to rectify that is yeah. human face-to-face -face conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really the only way to fix a problem. Mm. You can email back and forth for months if you'd like to. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get anywhere. I know. I know. Yeah. And it's really one of the... I I think it's it doesn't represent Cornwall. Mm. 
And I know it's funny that you mentioned this, this internet because a lot of new families that came in the COVID rush. Yeah. I mean, they think they're laughing and they're saying, what is this? Because they, they don't know the backstory. They don't know Cornwall. They don't know the players. They don't know. And to, to come in and, and join that network must be wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, once I explain it to them, they sort of get it and, mm. and understand what it is. Yeah. But I wish that more people understood that that's just not an effective way to get your point across. Yeah. And we shouldn't have any forum where people are attacked. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, I think that's important. And I do hope that the organization looks at itself closely and realizes that ethics can apply online and they definitely should, especially in small towns where community fabric is so close and also there's so much potential for it to fray, especially now. And I, it's funny that you say that because when I moved to Cornwall two years ago, after returning to the area, having um, left for a while, I got back and someone mentioned the Cornwall Community Network to me. And I looked it up and there was a really charming story about how some neighbor had helped another neighbor bury a dog that died. And it was sweet. And I thought, wow, this is great. I'm, I'm happy to be in a small town. I had just actually gotten back from being in LA. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was very, um, positive for me. It was very hopeful and welcoming. And And then months later, I lost so much sleep over things that got said on that network. And I just hope that people realize that it's not the best way to communicate in a town. No. And I'm, and I'm sorry, but it's just, it's been very detrimental. Yeah. And um, Cornwall can be so much better. I know. And I, I'm sorry because I know it's, you know, a topic that's personal to you. And it's personal to me, too, because people that I respect and admire have been spoken about quite nastily on it. Yeah. And I, And what's really sad about it is when I moved back, here in 2015, mm-hmm. I have had the fortune in my life to travel and live in m- amazing places. Yeah, same. And I chose to come back to Cornwall. Yeah. I look at you, I look at our other peers who grew up here and yeah. are coming back here. Yeah. And I hope that we are the gen- next generation to yes. change this. Yeah. Because I, I don't see that as representative of Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And I think it's sad because I think it's a, a few people that have really sort of soured the milk, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And when I bring people to Cornwall that are not from Cornwall, oh, yeah. it's because you can never explain the magic of this area. Mm-mm. But when I bring people here, they get it immediately how wonderful this place is and how yeah. wonderful the community is. I love bringing friends from across yes. the state. And one of the reasons why I moved here was I was going through a lot of personal turmoil in 2015. And I knew that uh-huh. coming to Cornwall was the right move because mm-hmm. it's just a supportive community. I mean, mm-hmm. within, I think, three weeks of me being here, yeah. I had offers for jobs. Of, Could you yeah. help me do this? We'd love you to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that Like the Ian Ridgway story recently. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, that was such an amazing story. 
that's Cornwall. And I think yeah. we need to get back to that. Mm. And I don't really know how to be quite frank. <laughs> Do we get off the internet? I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, I sort of, I mean, I don't read a lot of those emails anymore. I don't, I can't. I no. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't add value. And no. they, you know, and what's sad about it though, mm. it, another sad, I'm saying what's sad about it a lot, which is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I think our, our peers mm. are what's giving me hope. Yeah. I just don't know how we can harness our peers to get on town boards and to volunteer <laughs> because I get it. I get it. There's a, there's a, <clears throat> one of the reasons is why is because we're in the, you know, thick of our careers yes. and we have young fans. Some of us have young families yeah. and so we just don't have the bandwidth. Exactly. So that's one of the reasons. Yeah. But I also think that it's because we don't want to deal with. Well, that's the bigger reason. The unnecessary parts of running a town. Yeah. Which is dealing with people's, I would say, I don't <laughs> inner, even know what to call angst. it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. And I, I have to say, like, it's not unique to Cornwall right now. Right, right. And I have luckily been working with many young friends on different boards and committees, and I feel like they all feel the same. Yeah. Like, there's this added layer of bullshit yeah. that yeah. they don't want to welcome into their lives that they've worked so hard to finally evolve past our 20s, get away from high school behavior. Exactly. And they're being pulled back into this toxic realm of he said, she said, triangulation and back channel communication. And it's appalling to me. It is absolutely appalling. And I just... I hope we find our way out of it and I hope we find our way back to niceness and cross-generational communication because it's so valuable. I have wonderful mentors of all different ages, but I really hope we can get past what's going on right now. Yeah, I do too. I think another thing that I love about Cornwall is the age range of the people mm. that I socialize with. You know, I love that I can uh, have a, go on a hike with a 22-year-old and then yeah. have dinner with an 85-year-old. Yes. And so that's there. That mm. fabric mm-hmm. is there. Mm-hmm. It is how do we how do we make sure that it's there in every facet of Cornwall life? Yeah. Including local politics. Mm-hmm. I really don't have an answer. I I think for me, my answer was to step back. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. It was for self-preservation, honestly. (laughs) Um, And like, this is coming from someone who really, I, I am very lucky in the sense that I've been able to have disagreements with people, but it's never gotten personal, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. But I also, you know, I think I'm trying to now just be kind. Mm. Such a life lesson. Yeah, yeah, and I think I'm going to try to do that with, you know, every every part of my life, but especially yeah. with issues in Cornwall. And, you know, I'm sure I'm still going to hear, people are still going to stop their car and complain to me about things. <laughs> and yes. I'm just going to try to instill, okay, you know, I get it. Let's mm-hmm. vent a little bit. But then remember that there are humans behind all of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that we need to treat them nicely and kindly. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the first step mm. instead mm-hmm. of reacting. I know. <laughs> to it's, it's 
it's hard to react to somebody who's very reactive. Yeah. Sorry, it's hard not to react to somebody who's very reactive. No, exactly. Exactly. But I'm trying. Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's that's a great life lesson. I was swimming, I think, with my mom the other day, and she mentioned something to me about her generation, a boomer, mm-hmm. <laughs> passing the baton mm-hmm. to us in an honorable way. Because mm-hmm. she's seeing, you know, it, what's going on it, in my life and what's going on in other towns. And she is just like, I wonder what's happening beneath the surface right. with this passing of the baton where you look to your future generation to see you through and to get you farther than you got and bring you past that. And she notices the reluctance. And we've definitely talked about what's going on behind that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have the answer, but I do think that, and I think that if you live in a small town, Mm. I think you have to treat people that are in positions of leadership yeah. with respect, even mm-hmm. if you don't agree with them. Oh, yeah. But you need to build them up before you tear them down. Yes. And that requires personal conversations. Yeah. It requires questions. Mm-hmm. It requires work on your end before yeah. you decide you want to take somebody down. Yeah. And yeah. I do think that that's the only way forward. You know, I think about some people that have been really just unfairly targeted this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sort of like, why not just, if you really disagree with someone, why not just try to schedule a coffee and get to know that person Yeah, and have a civil discourse? The thing that I noticed is the reluctance to ask questions. Yes. And I think some of the best meetings or forums or anything that I've been in is where there's questions and where there's some courageous person that just graciously asks a question. Right. Like, hey, what are we doing? What's the process? But in so many instances, I find individuals inserting themselves with zero questions, a whole lot of answers. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. But none of the research or um, this entitlement. And that is definitely something that I hope we can get away from and that I hope we can converse in a much more civil way. Or what I love, too, is the highly researched people, but highly researched to try to get their point Uh across. Yes. So it's almost like highly researched and then the research is manipulated to fit a predestined decision (laughs) or idea of something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also really detrimental because that's not doing research and asking questions. You've already decided on something and now you're... And then you do the research. Yeah. And that doesn't work either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anybody went to, you know, you learn that in school, like how to get, you know, you might have a thesis and you Mm -hmm. might support your thesis, Yeah, but you don't manipulate data to to get your thesis proven. Yeah. The, the data has to prove the thesis with organically. I think that takes us back though to the misuse of the internet. Yes. It does. <laughs> because if you want to prove anything, you can go to the internet Correct. and prove it. Correct. I can have 17 different diseases within five minutes. I always do. <laughs> 
and uh, there's so many things. If you wish, you if you seek it, you'll find it. Correct. And that's how the internet works. And that's where I feel the internet has definitely been misused. Yes. In this community in Cornwall, but then you know everywhere. Yeah, I agree with that because also I think, and you know, we can't go into the details of the PNZ. Uh, issue right now, but no, but I but I at a later date. Yes, I would love to do that. <laughs> but it's funny. So I was at a dinner party recently, and mm. somebody asked my opinion on the matter, and yeah. I gave it to them, and they were completely on the other side of the table than I was. Yeah, and I, I said why, and they said, well, yeah. well I read some, I read an email about it, and I said, okay, yeah, fair enough. I said, yeah. well, have you watched any of the PNZ meetings? Mm. No, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you read any of the minutes of the PNZ meetings? Have you done any of your own literature? Have you read any literature, independent thoughts, anything? No, it was largely based on one email that this person had read. Mm. And that's the same thing. We would have gotten torn apart in school. Can you imagine? (laughs) Can you imagine? Yeah, I mean... We would have failed our schooling. And I'm confused as to, because this person is somebody I respect a lot Mm. and has been in my life for over 20 years and now sees the correct writing on the wall after a nice debate over dinner, which I felt great about. But I just don't understand why some, why some people just are so quick to judge something that they wouldn't be so quick to judge another issue, like another topic. Like it just, mm. it, it, it seemed like if you feel really strongly about mm-hmm. this PNZ decision, mm-hmm. then do more research. Mm. Like I just felt like it was weird to feel so strongly about something yeah. and to base your sentiment on one email seemed yeah. like a weird way to level out how you weigh certain issues in terms of importance. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. It does. And I wonder if it's a paradigm shift behind like how our decision making has come just in, you know, we're in our thirties. The world is very different place. Right. And I think in our upbringing, a lot of things were challenged. Right. Uh, 9-11 happened. The great recession right. happened. COVID happened. Yeah. So we multiple times had to shift our thinking. Yes. First, fresh out of, you know, we were all in high school and the, you know, yeah. terrorist attack on New York City mm-hmm. happened right before our very eyes. Changed our thinking probably within days yeah. of moving forward in the world the way we approach air travel, everything. And then graduating, um, you know, we're fresh out of college. Hope for the future. We can go out, get jobs, pretty good paying jobs. Uh, No. (laughs) (laughs) The universe was like, no, 2008 graduates. I don't think so. Just kidding. (laughs) And that, you know, changed our, we couldn't get stuck in the sand. We couldn't just keep doing what we had always been doing, looking for a different result. And I'm grateful, I think. And then, you know, now COVID and we're in the midst of our careers in our money-making years, hopefully. And really when we're that productive point of our lives, doing things out in the world and suddenly we can't even be out in the world. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Our generation has really hit a trifecta of, of things. I, but I hope 
we become better for it. I think we will. And I mean, I also don't want people to listen to this to think that I think that our generation is the wisest, most amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't. There's a lot of things that we're so misguided bad on. Yeah. And also because I've learned so much from my elders in this community, mm-hmm. they've done so much for this town yeah. and are largely the reason why our town is like this. Yeah. yeah. The positive parts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I don't, I definitely want to recognize that, but I do yeah. think that we, I do think we're a little bit, I think things are not as catastrophic to us because we've actually gone through catastrophic Mm. times. Mm -hmm. So we look at things and try to be as maybe objective and also as tempered as we can be. I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's such a good point. I I just think also what surprised me going back to the temperature of local politics yeah. in Cornwall currently, what surprised me after seeing what we saw when we went into lockdown yeah. and seeing the unemployment numbers and the food pantry needs and all these issues that were really eye-opening to me. I was lucky that I did not have to wait in line at a food pantry. Yeah, I did not have to go on unemployment. I was really lucky. Yeah, And I thought that after all of that, looking yeah. at what was happening around the world, the death the resources that were used and wasted and just everything that everybody would come out of that with perspective on what is important and what isn't me too. And also how to treat people. Me too. And I feel like for some people, the opposite occurred. You've said, you've said that so well. And yeah, I thought we'd come out of this hugging everyone we saw in sight. Um, you know, constantly reminding each other, so good to see you. I'm happy I can see you in person. Yep. It's almost like the opposite has happened. Yeah, and I'll, I'll speak about the recent decision that the Board of Selectmen made. We were so excited to go back to in-person oh. because it's a lot of work for Jonathan, our administrative assistant, to yeah. organize it. Uh-huh. And we made the call, town, mm-hmm. hall, town hall was open, Yep, and a few people decided to take that decision yeah. and apply it to us suffocating democracy Oof. because we weren't giving a hybrid option of being on Zoom. Yeah. And it's a bold statement. It's a bold statement <laughs> because, because while, while mm. I get one part of it because mm. people are still scared of COVID, and so True. I get that, and yeah. so... Part of me is like, oh, yeah, we probably should have stayed on Zoom. Mm. In some capacity. In some capacity. Mm-hmm. But none of us went into that decision-making process thinking, no, we don't want Zoom because we don't want to hear from people. Mm. But that was the assumption. Uh-huh. And I just thought that was such a crazy leap. Yeah. To say that there was some sort of nefarious motive behind that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. And yeah. I... I was getting e- I was getting personal emails, not not attacking me by any means, but you know, asking me to you know go to the board and, and go back to Zoom because democracy is important and our voices need to be heard. And I'm sitting there saying, but wait a second, unless you're really unless it's really your fear of getting COVID, you don't want to sit in town hall, and yeah. that's valid, a hundred percent. Yeah, you are more than welcome to come to the meeting. It is a public meeting. Yeah, and so. That felt to me very, that was a very eye-opening 
reaction of a, of a group of people. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, a great example of what has changed in the temperature of, of local politics. Yeah. This this eagerness to jump to a conclusion that there is bad, there are bad actors or there's bad decision-making uh, for, for a, a nefarious agenda. It's like mistrust. Mistrust, yeah. conspiracy theories. Yeah. And I don't, that I didn't really see in Cornwall in 2015. And yeah. When I started on the board, I didn't see that or mm-hmm. feel that. Maybe it was there and that we, we weren't dealing with it, you know, issues that people felt strongly about that could be the case. Yeah. But I think that this that yeah. is a, a little bit of a microcosm of what's happening nationally. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that has just permeated mm-hmm. down to our local, our local politics. Yeah. Because, I mean, election season's coming. Right. It doesn't sound like it's going to be smooth sailing no. in this town. I don't think so. And I just, you know, and I'm not speaking about me, but I, I would careful what you wish for because we have been really lucky to have people serving on boards and commissions that are quality people. Yeah. That are smart people. Yeah. That largely do not have their own agendas. Yeah. And I know for a fact, having followed other towns, that mm-hmm. that's not... That's not the norm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I, it's going to be a really interesting season to watch. Yeah. I'm very happy I'm not going to be involved in it. <laughs> at least for now. At least for now. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I hope I can get back into town politics at some point in my life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, um, having just witnessed what I have through my career, um, which is complete and separate and independent from this podcast. Yes. But I have had many thoughts where I'm like, you couldn't pay me to volunteer. No. You couldn't pay me to spend time to do these, even though these towns are so near and dear to me. Right. What happens in them is so important, not to mention will affect us. Well, that's that's the whole irony of me stepping back from sitting on the board of Slackman is... Yeah. I'm so protective of this town and I love yeah. it so much yeah. that it's it's really terrible that I, I can't serve on the board for all the reasons that we've talked about today. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I won't in another capacity give back to the community. Course, I'm looking forward course. to doing something, you know, maybe behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That sounds so refreshing. Yeah. Low, <laughs> low key. Yeah. And, you know, this is coming from somebody also who really, like I said it before today in our conversation, I really didn't get any pushback from yeah, a lot of people. I was I was largely treated well. But on the flip side of that, mm-hmm. I also realized early on sitting on that board that I needed to be really careful with what I said. Yeah. And that's not me. I have a lot of opinions and a lot of <laughs> a lot of thoughts. Yeah. But I just didn't want to go through the emotional turmoil of Mm. being attacked because I said something that, you know, three people didn't agree with. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess in short, being on the board, did you bite your tongue? I did, yeah. And was it just kind of fear of what may come of it? Yes. And one of the reasons why I'm not running again is because I don't think that that's a good quality to have in a in somebody who's a leader. Yeah. I think you need to have somebody who's not afraid to get flack. Yeah. And that person has to have a very thick skin. 
I don't have that. Yeah. Neither do I. Yeah. And so I made the call that I can't have that emotional baggage. Yeah. I hope that my skin gets thicker. I hope it doesn't have to actually, honestly. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, if I ever want to give back to the community on a local, like political level, Mm. maybe age will bring that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I always wonder when will I not take these things to heart? Right. When will I not take these things personally? When will I not choke up thinking about them? I know. Or talking about them. And you, you just also too, you want to thank your fellow leaders that keep doing it. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Careful what you wish for, because we, I mean, there are some people that have been treated so poorly to the point where I'm sitting there thinking, why are they even doing this anymore? And they're doing it because they believe in it. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's greater than the hurt that Mm -hmm. was caused. And what an amazing quality in a person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely second that. Big shift in yes, conversation. Big shift. Go ahead. Um, do you follow local media? Aside from, so we talked about Cornwall Community Network. Yes. We both are ex-followers. Yes. Um, both for personal reasons of, you know, very different mm-hmm. and similar reasoning. Um, but do you follow other local media? I do. Yeah. Um, I would say I don't subscribe to anything. Yeah. I don't, I love that we have local media. I yeah. think that we're lucky. You know, I love the Cornwall Chronicle. Yeah. I, the Lakeville Journal supplies, you know, interesting local tidbits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100%, much like anything that I read, I yeah. always want to make sure that it's well-researched and unbiased. Yeah. yeah. And I think for the most part it is. I think we have some flip-ups every now and then. So to talk less local media, yeah. August last Sunday, so mm-hmm. August 1st, an article about Cornwall was in the New York Times. Yes. We both have read it. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, do you think it was a good interpretation, um, delivery message of what's going on in town? No. <laughs> I, I honestly, I love the New York Times. Me too. Just a big caveat here. Yeah. Um, I am a big follower and reader. I, I'm confused as to why that article was written. Same. I don't know who pitched it. I don't mm. know what the impetus was. Yeah. I felt what was misguided was there was a narrative mm-hmm. that things were really terrible civically mm. and politically before we were, quote unquote, saved by an influx of New Yorkers deciding to live here full time. Yeah. I don't know if I'm misinterpreting that. That was a narrative that I, I kind of caught on to. Well, it's titled the upside of the cosmopolitan invasion. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's why I thought that that narrative is there. And what's funny is I'm a New Yorker. Yes. So yeah. I grew up always as a New York, quote unquote, New Yorker yeah. kid. Yeah. A I don't, weekender. A weekender, yeah. yes. And I, my family is still, I'm the only full-time resident. Well, actually, after COVID, I wasn't the only one, but largely I am again. Yeah. So my family are New Yorkers. I have no beef with 
New Yorkers, but yeah. I follow the sort of town and gown, if you can even still say that phrase, but yeah. the, you know, the non-New Yorkers versus the New Yorkers. Yeah. And that's always going to be, there's always going to be beef. Yes. And I think it's funny because it can be very funny. It can be very funny. <laughs> but, you know, I hope that that goes away. But this article was really, if I had been a local resident who, well, I am a local resident who yeah. was engaged in local politics mm-hmm. pre-COVID, yeah. I would have been offended. Yeah. Because yeah. that's really saying that, and I get the I get the, uh, the counter argument, which is saying, no, it's actually, it's just that so many more people are involved and what mm. a wonderful thing. And that's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. But there were a lot of really interesting, smart people that were involved pre the influx of New Yorkers. I just think of what about the in-person meetings in the dead of winter oh, yeah. before COVID mm-hmm. when you were trucking yourself into town hall when it was the last thing that you wanted to do three years ago. Correct. <laughs> and and there are a small contingent of people that did that mm-hmm. and they are the people that really are engaged mm-hmm. for better or for worse. Yeah. And follow all the meetings. And that is great because... I think what people maybe didn't understand yeah. pre-COVID, and maybe that should have been the point of the article, uh-huh. was how important it is to follow along with local politics and to look at, watch meetings, attend meetings. Yeah, It's not that there were bad things happening before. You know, it was yeah. running really well, and there were a lot of people that were volunteering a lot of their time to do it. Yeah. And so I felt that the article missed a little bit of... It was a little obtuse. <laughs> Aloof. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. It was a little tone deaf. It was tone deaf. Yeah. It was totally tone deaf. Yeah. And it was funny because I can see that attitude. It's it has permeated throughout other local issues in town. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of how lucky are we to have New Yorkers with their talent? I just find it so funny. Um, the caption under the photo includes the words, the town has enjoyed mm-hmm. a population boost. Yes, that's very yeah. great. Yes. But it follows up with, and with it, more civic engagement. And I would never, if you were to come to me and talk to me about the Litchfield Hills region, mm-hmm. would ever, five years ago, today, when I was 10, ever say, oh yeah, Cornwall's disengaged. Never was. Yeah. Never was. The amount of civic engagement in Cornwall was always, it was always there. Yeah. It wasn't funny because that's not the right word, but I I was just sort of, I didn't understand the point of it because I felt like, wait a second, Cornwall's always had people engaged and following situations. I mean, that's why we're so lucky to have a town like this that has so many benefits. It's because people have been engaged for decades. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the timing was also obtuse. Oh, yeah. The timing was not sensitive. Yeah. The timing was not helpful. Yeah. And I never, I always think of the New York Times. It's so sophisticated. Yeah. It's so well-researched. And you look to that media source to kind of lead the way for other media sources. And I read that article and I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I, uh, so that or when that article came out, yeah. you should have seen the amount of text messages. And of course, I'm never going to name names of people that yeah. were like, "Marina, don't read it. You're going to be enraged." <laughs> and it was from, 
and it was from young and old, yep. New Yorker, yep. non-New Yorker, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. some of my favorite people in this community who yeah. totally got it on the nose the way that we read it. Yeah. And I, I finally said I got to read it. Yeah. I'm curious as to the backstory of that article. So, and I got into a really great conversation um, with my dad. Hi, dad. Um, <laughs> about sugarcoating things mm-hmm. and about being nice. Mm-hmm. So they're different. They sugarcoating things is what that article was. Yes. That article missed the mark. It didn't really dig in. And digging in doesn't mean you're being mean. No. And in thinking through this podcast and why I'm starting this podcast, it's all about digging in. Right. It's all about bringing out the human story behind issues, talking with humans, long conversations about what's going on so that we can actually dig in and share a little bit more than what gets shared in media. Correct. And I look at the Lakeville Journal. I'm named by name in it often, Yeah, maybe every other week. I guess I have been too. But have you ever been called? No. Have you ever been contacted? No. I will say for me, it's a little different though, because we do have lovely attendees at our meetings that are from the Republican American and the local journal. Yes. And when they need clarification on points, they'll ask us as a board. That's fantastic. So nothing personal has been written about me. Yeah. So I will say that, that that's really nice. Yeah. But I'm sure no one contacts you. No, I've never been contacted, which, uh, it depends. I mean, when I was in LA, I worked in a pretty, uh, High profile, I don't love using that term, but it was a high pressure situation for very political figures who were very important in a very big metropolitan, and you were making decisions with them on their behalf, etc. And you never wanted to speak to a reporter. Right. It was what you were taught. Do not talk to reporters. That does, that might be the day that you say the wrong thing that could cost you your career. So that's the mindset that I came home with. And then I realized I get published often, but I am never once asked. And it is sort of undermining as a professional. Mm -hmm. And they never really dig in about the work that I do. Yeah. Um, it's often just like a quick thing, which is fine. I don't really like ever being named in it. Right. So I would prefer that they forget who I am as an individual and never actually talk about me. But I understand with the work that I do, it will happen. But there's so many times it becomes, it's, it's not a full representation of what's going on. And I'm also like, if I was, if I'm doing this work on their behalf as a professional, isn't the professional's opinion something that counts? It should. <laughs> I would argue, too, that a lot of people probably don't know what you do. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem mm. with not just you, but any town issue mm-hmm. on a local level. Is yeah. I agree. I don't think there's ever... A very, very factual, here's everything, yeah. here's all the backstory. Yeah. And I think probably it's hard, I think, in that medium to do that. Yeah. You know, and it's a small... It's got to be fast and dirty. Exactly. Quick articles, got to get it out every Thursday. Exactly. And so that's really hard, right? Because how do you... 
if you only read one article, yeah, and well, we're going back to that story about my my a friend who read one email and made up her mind. Yeah. And so it goes to the same point. And it's yeah. sort of like, who's responsible for that? Is it the media or yeah. is it the, is it the reader? Ah, uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the media, I do think is responsible for sharing all sides of the story. Correct. And that's where I sometimes wonder what side of the story yeah, that I passed think. along. And also what sometimes things just get, verbatim repeated which is fine but isn't journalism also about analysis and follow-up and follow-through and a continuation of a story yes and context and yeah yeah, I agree I think there's a little bit of that lacking yeah so I miss that sometimes and I just hope that we can see more complete conversations I agree and it might help us not sensationalize issues and not jump to these reactionary oh my god this person said this at a meeting yeah and for us to form an opinion around them yeah I think I totally agree I think that would be really helpful yeah and probably crucial at this point because I think sensationalism is a great word for what's going on here Mm -hmm. Uh, and all over the country obviously but particularly here yeah and I think the only way to quell sensationalism is that a word quell yes (laughs) I am totally I make up words and I will be making up words on this podcast every episode sometimes I say words (laughs) and I'm like where did that come from um but I do think that I think you're right I think the more meaty Mm -hmm. content is Mm -hmm. with correct facts yeah I think that that's a a way to quell this sensationalism that's occurring right now. And I do think that we're lacking that in our local media. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also say that the, the Cornell Chronicle does a nice job of that. Yeah, I agree. When they, t- when they see, and the Cornell Chronicle is, you know, run by the community. So yeah. our, some of our community members do a great job of doing that. You know, taking, they, they spy a hot button issue. Yeah. And they really try to write all the facts they can get. Mm, I mean, mm-hmm. they've done that with, I think they did that with the Internet Expansion Committee. Yeah, yeah. They did that recently with the PNZ yep. regulations. Yeah, they're doing their homework. They are, and, yeah. and and they're well thought out. Yeah. And so I, I do, that would be great if that could happen regionally. I know, yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I mean, I don't see these issues going away. No. I see, I, and I try not to think about it too much, but I think about what we have to face in our future. Yeah. Um, housing costs, yes. aging population, mm-hmm. um, infrastructure challenges. Like, well, that's what's so, that's what's frightening about the next ten years to me yeah. here. Yeah, is because we're back, our peers, and <laughs> we're back, we're back, <laughs> and it's great. And yeah. that's, but the things that we're going to require, yeah, are forget about you know a minor P and Z change. We yeah. we need to get. Not even affordable housing, attainable housing. Yeah, I know. You know, a young professional who's making $100,000 should be able to have a place to live here. And that's not a given. No, it is not a given. I, So many people that I talk to, their story is about luck. Yes. And making these life decisions that are very financially heavy and will guide your life for a very long time should not be around luck. Correct. <laughs> and, and it's funny because 
because it's it's sort of there's the counter argument to that was like, well, that's not what this town is for. This town is for the rural character, the beauty, and it is. And it is. we that's why we're back. And we will till our last breath protect that. Exactly. Which is so funny because I think that gets lost. Yeah. Because it's like, why do you think we came back? Change doesn't mean <laughs> That we're cutting down every tree that you can see and that we're degrading the environment. No, I mean, I think quite the opposite. I think we are the ones that understand viscerally the beauty and the benefits of living here. But I think, like anything, Mm. you need to modify the way that you do things in order for progress to occur. Yeah. And that's hard for some people. And I get that. You know, I... But it's a, it's, and I think about this all the time. It's a compromise to live in a community. Yes. So it's give and it's take. Yeah. And even just with mask wearing. Yes. It's a sacrifice. We don't always love it. It can get hot, blah, blah, blah. You can't, I can't, um, lip read as well. So oh I gosh, don't. I know. I realize I'm, I'm like slightly deaf. I, I can't see peripherally with a mask on. Yeah. Like little things. Yeah. But you do it for the greater good. You mm-hmm. sacrifice because you don't want your fellow shoppers at the grocery store to get sick. I think being in a society, we all need to remind ourselves that there's a compromise here completely and that we sometimes need to humble ourselves and we sometimes need to give other people the benefit of the doubt, do things graciously and forget about me, 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 my, 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 I, I, I. And also to identify your, if it's a fear, if it's an Mm -hmm. internal fear that's guiding your reaction to something. Uh Uh-huh. I have started to do that. Oh, professionally and personally like if I feel very if I'm reacting very strongly to something I sit back and I'm like wait well why is this particular issue creating this (laughs) what's being dredged up from my child no and it's really it's (laughs) yeah I mean I guess I'm just analyzing myself constantly but but it's really helped in particularly my professional setting because before I react to something I I sit back and I'm like wait a second where is this coming from Mm mm-hmm and if I can identify it, yeah. then I largely am not as reactive to the issue. Hmm. And so I wonder if, you know, especially for, because the conversation around housing is not going away. No. We have to do it. And that's going to, people's internal fears are going to guide their reactions mm-hmm. to whatever happens with our plan, mm-hmm. whatever the plan is. Mm-hmm. And I hope that people can take a step back and not catastrophize mm-hmm. on their fear mm-hmm. because I think we're in a town that can do this right yeah, and can do this in the Cornwall way mm-hmm. and we have to trust in that. Yeah. And so I hope that that it also is applied to any other type of maybe quote unquote scary change. Yeah. Because we can trust our, our community members. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention governmental change. Yes. It's slow. Oh, yes. So we've got time That's to true. react and we have time to plan for it. It The carpet won't be whisked out from underneath us no. in a day. But I think you only get that once. I think a lot of people get that. I think it's just a minority of people that think, oh, my gosh, a decision was made. That's the end of the world. <laughs> but I also think like you have to serve on a commission or a board to understand that yeah 
It's slow work. It's really slow work. Yeah. And that's good because that means there mm-hmm. is plenty of time to create the right plan yeah. and to find maybe an error or two or to find, you know, mm, that's not going to work. Yeah. So there are safeguards in place for all of these plans and these decisions. Yeah. And I wish that could be communicated more too. I don't really know. It seems very obvious to me when you watch <laughs> any town meeting. <laughs> <laughs> very clear to me that these processes are very long yeah yeah but still some people think it's just you know overnight we're you gonna know, wake up to a new five people making a decision that's it yeah and that's not how it works yeah I know there's a lot ahead of us there's a, I mean even just with the fire smoke that we've witnessed the past I few know. days and this these temperature changes and everything I think we are due for a reckoning, we might be also focusing on the completely wrong issues. Right. And like, we might need to know more about water purification than we ever need to know about infrastructure. Yeah. And that's where we'll have to adapt. And I think we have the tools and I think we have the peers and I think we have the community to do that. Yeah, I just hope that we can see it through, and I hope that people come together. I think I am hopeful. I think I, from what I hear from some of my older mentors who've been through the ringer, <laughs> the cooler heads tend to prevail. Mm. It's just having to sit through it and waiting for the time where those cooler heads show up and kind of put a stop to the hysteria. Mm-hmm. I think that that process is taking longer now yeah. than it was before. I mm-hmm. think the sensationalism is, for some reason, lasting longer than it was historically on certain issues. Yeah. And I'm hoping we can go back. I don't think it's ever going to go away. No. But I do think that I'm hopeful that we can get to a point where we're working together again and I think we both recognize controversy is okay. Totally. We are both have dealt with many different opinions around us on many different things in many different walks of our lives. And we're not expecting or going into our lives as young adults, for lack of a better term, thinking zippity-doo-dah, everything's going my way and everybody has my back and everybody no. thinks as I do. I think enough has happened in both of our lifetimes to recognize that. But I really think that having a differing of opinion is not the end of the world and having dignity about it and respect about it is something that is so lost. But if that were what was happening, yeah. I would be in a hundred percent sitting on the board of selectmen running again. Yeah. Because that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a debate with, serious ideas and well thought out plans and suggestions. And I'd love to be told, wait, what about this? And then come to an even better plan. Mm -hmm. But that's not what's happening. You're right. You're right. And I love being asked questions as a professional. I love it when someone's like, hey, do you mind running me through this legislation change? Because I'm not sure. And I'll always, you know, let them know this is my understanding of what's going on. Right. And it's 
it's what we do all day. Yes. So it's, I mean, I'm sure when someone asks you something about what it is that they're doing and they rely on you for your skill set, mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice because you finally see the fruits of your labor of all the days that you've spent doing your work. And I really, really hope that the civility comes back Me to play. And that attacking other people. <laughs> it's so, just crazy. Yeah. Um, that the attacking of other people has it has no room. There's no room for that. And it actually I think I think it's even I'm surprised that we've even tolerated the amount that we've tolerated. I don't mean we, mm. you and me, I mean mm. collectively as a mm-hmm. town that that those attacks were even allowed to go as far as they went to me is troubling. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. There's no room for that. It's, it's also, it's also not productive at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's also why I'm always surprised. I always wonder, oh, I'm willing to share my opinions and I'm willing to say, I don't agree with that, but I usually like to have a counter argument, yes. like a constructive idea yeah. or maybe we shouldn't do it this way, but how about this way? And I just find it so fascinating that there's so many armchair experts yes. that come to meetings having, you know, exchanged on Facebook or, mm-hmm. you know, torn somebody apart on CCN mm-hmm. and then come to meetings with nothing of positive substance to offer the town, their fellow citizens, anyone, us, the future. And, but every meeting they show up and it's the same let me find another issue. Let me find another issue. Let me find another issue. It's exhausting to be on the receiving end. Yeah. How exhausting to be on the creating end. Well, I often think that. I think, man, that's a lot of output, energy output. And I <laughs> I just, I couldn't do it. And yeah. when you juxtapose that against somebody who does show up and doesn't agree with you, but has like a list of great suggestions mm-hmm. or a list of ideas or mm-hmm. wants to create, you know, a commission to work on one particular issue so that because they they understand that these volunteers their time is limited and so instead of complaints i love the person that shows up and says well i'm willing to you know work with i'll find three other people and i'm willing to work to help research this issue more Mm. that's the way to do it Mm. you know if you don't agree with something or you don't think something's thought out enough yeah take it upon yourself to do the work mm-hmm. and come back, like you said, with some constructive criticism. Yeah. I yeah. love, I used to love it when that happened at meetings. I thought, okay, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go, go nuts. Yeah. Help us out. Yeah. But that's democracy too. That is. Yeah. That's when everybody's involved and yeah. there's buy-in and everyone's, everyone's involved. And I think everyone can be involved. Totally. And by almost saying that you're getting cut out, you're cutting yourself yes, out. Exactly. That, that's <laughs> it's why it's so find, counterproductive. Well, that's why I find this 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 call to save Cornwall's democracy funny to me on some level because yeah. if you were to take the boards that I see functioning in yeah. the town, yeah. they are game to oh, hear. Yeah. But it has to be it has to be it can't be hysteria. It has mm. to be complaints based upon reality. Yeah. And 
And that's democracy too. Do you know what I mean? I mean, listening to everyone is part of it, of course. So hysteria or not hysteria. Yeah. But I think what was getting lost was that, you know, no, we don't want to hear the same story 25 times that's not based in fact. Mm. That's different. That's not democracy. And that's back to what you said earlier about feeling like your time was wasted. Exactly. Because we've already heard this. Yeah. We don't agree. Mm -hmm. And so that's not cut. That's not censorship. That's we've heard it already. Yeah. We let that be part of the public discourse. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving on. Mm -hmm. And just because you didn't get your way doesn't mean that we're, we're stomping on democracy. That's not the same. That's a very, very good point. You just, you just said it so well that democracy isn't always getting your way. Correct. <laughs> like, that's what I find so funny. I'm like, wait, democracy is, <laughs> is having everyone heard yeah. and then a decision being made. Yeah. And we do that yeah. day in and day out. Uh-huh. And I love that. I, I mean, I don't love it. I think it's a funny argument to say there's censorship just because you didn't get your answer the way you wanted it. I often think about like little kids sometimes when they... Oh when they repeat a question like 20 times, yeah. but in different ways to, to try a, to get a different yeah. answer to a different parent. Yes. Or to a different parent, yeah. you know, sort of like, I even see this professionally too. Cause I work a lot of my job is dealing with clients yeah. and I see it with my clients too. You know, they'll ask a question. I'll say, actually, I'm really sorry. We can't do that. And then they'll come back to me and ask the same question, but sort of phrase a little bit differently. Yeah. And, and I'll have long conversations with them no, the answer is not going to change, but I'm hearing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I think that that's, that was an interesting observation I had this year. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think, I mean, maybe it's all of us being in our homes for so long and focusing on the me and focusing on the need, yeah. the immediate need, and then forgetting that we function in a larger society maybe. that is about compromise and is about, you know, just making sure that you're looking out for your fellow neighbor. Yeah. And where did that go? I know. I know. Which is so weird, right? Because you would think again, to my previous point after COVID, you would think that would be everybody's priority. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. And I, I think we'll get there. I hope we'll get there. I think a lot of angst was brought up and we might need to flush it out Maybe. and get there. But I think baby steps yeah. and I'm hoping, I'm hoping we get there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we will. I mean, listen, I'm going to have like very open conversations. I think going forward, I haven't really because of, you know, sitting on the board and also not wanting to go through that emotional. I know. I've incinerator. Yeah. But now I, Really feel dartboard on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> I feel strongly that you know if somebody has a complaint or doesn't like something, I'm going to be happy to have the real, open dialogue with kindness. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sorry that it made you not lead in this town because I think we do need more leaders that are young. Yeah. That can usher in a future that we all agree on yeah. and that we all are hopeful about. Um, but I'm really thankful that you're, you've been so willing to talk to me today because I know these issues are difficult for both of us. We yeah. both had had a really, um, to put it, sugar-coated, right. like, interesting year. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think there's 
it's been a hard year equally for both of us in many different ways. And I think our, the first step, what we're doing today, talking about it is good. Yeah, it is good. And I, you know, I don't want anyone to get me wrong. The people that I'm wish were coming to the table differently. I don't, I don't wish them any negativity or harm. Same. I, again, will respect anybody and treat them with kindness, but I will also call out actions Mm -hmm. that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's the way forward. Yeah. You know, just, you know, it's a person that you're dealing with and Mm -hmm. let's remember that. I struggle because my Achilles heel, Mm -hmm. when I get up, when I'm angry, Mm -hmm. I will cry. I know, I'm the same. And it's terrible. Because it also, as a woman, that's, it's, it's the, the worst. worst. I know. It is because, and I think because you put so much pressure on yourself, I feel it. I get this like thing in my throat. I, I mean, I cried on this podcast yeah. already today. Yeah. I get this thing in my throat and then my lip gets quivery and then it's gone. Me and too. I think the reason why it goes from zero to cry is because in my head, I'm like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Yeah. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves as professional women yeah. not to, so we do. I know. It's, <laughs> I, it's so funny because at work right now, we're really slammed and understaffed. Yeah. And I've been getting really emotional. And, <laughs> and I hate that. Our favorite thing to do. I know. And it's this it's this self-created, no one's, no one's creating this pressure for me other than myself. Yeah. And I recognize that. Yeah. And so I, when I get like overwhelmed, yeah. I, my trigger is like, just to like start crying. And I, yeah. and it's so bad because it's, it's <laughs> but I think, and I'm trying as I, as I'm mature to like those things and to understand like, I am a woman mm-hmm. and my reaction to things is my reaction to things. Yeah, I guess why is that bad? Why? Yeah. Why is it bad? I had an observation at the lake the other day. It was so interesting. Um, there are two boys and a girl, and the boys were loud, running around, wrestling, like rah, being yeah. boys. Yeah. And the girl shouted one time, and the mother said, whatever, making up this name for sake of the story. Yeah. Amelia, don't shout. Meanwhile, the boys had been shouting the entire time. And I had this moment where it just made me That's so think about, wow, the way we were raised as girls really has an impact on how we are, especially we're, you know, this first, this first generation of women that maybe are making, maybe if we're lucky, making more than men or at the level of men or as professionally accomplished as men, but we're still holding on to so much of society's normalization around the gender differences and what we've put on ourselves. And I think Growing up, it was constantly in our brain, don't cry. You won't be considered legit because right. you're a girl. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's absolutely true. It stayed with me as a professional woman. Yeah. And like you said earlier, I hope I, de- I, 
I hope and I don't hope I develop thick skin, but I right. do hope I develop a coping mechanism that isn't crying right. publicly. <laughs> I hope that the cooler heads prevail comes into our lives in just a graceful way that we're really, really proud of. I think so too. And I and I want like I want to be clear that I it's not that we need to have our hands held and told that we're doing amazing work and that we're right. Yeah. That's not at all what this is. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. Because I do think women and young women in particular don't get credibility. Like almost like we <laughs> We need that to be feel like we're smart and successful. We don't need that. Well, we also don't need to be called inexperienced. That, well, right. That drives me nuts. <laughs> when, yeah, very publicly. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> it, you know, it's really not that hard to, I, you know, I do think if, I wonder if your profile was male, had you been, I don't know if you would be as attacked as you were. You know, I... I think about that sometimes. I do, too, actually. My partner, my boyfriend, mm-hmm. he's come home at the end of meetings, and a few times I've jokingly said to him, if we had body switched for that meeting, mm-hmm. he's um, a tall male in his yep. 40s, mm-hmm. and there are many days where I'm like, if we had switched and the same words came out of your mouth... Mm-hmm. I wonder if it had been different. I 100% think it would have been. And that's a fucking shame. It is. It <laughs> Pardon is. my French, but... <laughs> no, it is. Like, but it's true. Like, Do you feel... Have you been in situations like that? I've been really lucky yeah. in the sense that I work... My current employers and my past employers largely are, are gay men who love women I and... Know. Yeah. So I've really been lucky in that sense Mm -hmm. that I've always been respected and my opinion has always been valued. Mm -hmm. So that's it within the workplace. Client relation wise, Mm. I've I've thought that before, Mm. Um, especially with dealing with, you know, if I'm on a job site, you know, doing construction management or something. I feel it there. Um, They're like, oh, let me measure it for you. Yeah. Or like, (laughs) or like the client may not really trust you know, we have a you know, junior designer who's, well, she's not a junior anymore, but she's one of our interior designers and she's petite. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wonder if she gets that. I've never actually talked to her about it, but I wonder if she gets that flack a little bit, mm-hmm. but even, even my employer, he's a gay man. He gets it being gay. Wow. And so, wow. yeah, there are certain straight men that I can see it are maybe a little condescending towards him. Yeah. And so, yes, I I haven't had it within my direct workplace Mm -hmm. with the people that I work with, which is lovely. Yeah. But I do have it in client relations and Mm -hmm. even vendor relations, you know, if I'm dealing with contractors or suppliers or anything like that. Yeah. There's always that element. And you always have to prove, you always have to go in, or at least I always feel like I have to go in like I'm really strong. Yeah. I am strong. Yeah. But. I don't ever want to look like I'm meek or I need any help. Yeah. And I that is, I think, a total reaction to being a woman. Mm-hmm. I never want to look like I need any type of clarification or help or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I'll ask the questions when I feel ready to. Yeah. But I don't want to go in vulnerable. Of course not. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I guess that's self-inflicted, but also probably a result of the society that we grew up in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, well, no, I'm lucky. I think that I've never felt, I've never felt that my position as a woman has, you know, affected me negatively in my own career, mm-hmm. in my growth, mm-hmm. which has been really lucky because I don't think a lot of women, I think there are a lot of women who can, can't say that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, Marina, I am so thankful to be able to sit down and have such an open conversation with you. Uh, I know we have a lot of work ahead, but I'm really happy to have people like you in my life. Me too. It was so fun. Thanks so much. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the person saying them and not necessarily to myself as the creator of Competent Young Woman. This podcast and the time and means I spend producing it are not tied to or funded by my employer. Competent Young Woman is my own independent venture. I'd like to thank my sound engineer, Rodney Sino Cruz, for his talent and his willingness to work with me in Countrytown, Connecticut from Big City, L.A. For story tips, advertising opportunities, partnerships, or just to say hello, you can email me at competentyoungwoman at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.